0: That's it right there. That's what we're all about. body of Christ being the body. It's family being family and and loving and supporting. And I think the most important thing that Donna said in regard to baby dedication is that that is a commitment not only of those parents, but it's a commitment of our church to support them as they raise their kids. And that's what we're here for. And that's what we do. It's uh, exciting for me. Some of these babies that we're praying for, I've been a part of their parents' lives and helped. See them grow up in the Lord, and so that's what we want to do. We want to be available and connected to families. So, uh, if you uh, are a guest today, if you have not been with us, welcome. Glad you're here again. We have been in a series, a teaching series, called "Got Questions," and these uh, we're answering questions that were submitted by our congregation. So, I gave them a couple month period of time to submit questions on anything they wanted, within reason and that I would do my best to try to answer that. And so today we're going to continue, but we're shifting gears a little bit. We have been talking about healing the last few weeks. This morning, uh, our question relates to the topic of worship. Uh, During our worship service this morning, uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility, people standing up, sitting down. And uh, so we had this question came in from somebody. Why do people do weird things during worship? I see people jumping up and down and screaming or laying on the floor. Is this biblical? It makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, When I was a youth pastor at the church we were at prior to here, Sunday evenings, we had a morning and evening service. The Sunday night service was a little more fluid. Morning was kind of, you know, worship, teaching, prayer, done evening was sort of a little bit more open, a lot of guests and visitors, and uh, a little flexibility and freedom of the Spirit, and oftentimes on Sunday nights after service, some of the staff and leaders would go hang out. There was kind of a green room that we would just kick back in and review and sort of debrief a little bit. One night, one of the guys, he was uh, new on staff, and he had been hired from Fuller Seminary specifically to be with us for a season and then go plant the church. He's kind of coming out of that academic sort of mindset, being at Fuller, you know, for several years. And he comes in, and he was a little indignant, and he made the statement, did you guys see that woman up in the top of there in the higher section tonight during worship? And what he was referring to is a gal that was there that night that had kind of just really enjoyed herself during worship and sort of did some, you know, things. And uh, it's kind of quiet for a minute, and then our senior pastor, uh, John Wimber, Said, so, yeah, you know, isn't it great that we can be a church that anybody can go to? I mean, just, just sort of ended that conversation right there. Um, so I, I want to preface, you know, today by this. In the vineyard, we, one of our sort of themes, our motto is come as you are. And in the early days of the movement, the vineyard began at a time when it was standard procedure. And and this has changed, and I really believe partially by the contribution of Vineyard, where people wore suits and ties to church, women dressed up, you wore nice clothing to church. So come as you are. Initially, it kind of meant, well, you don't have to dress up. You can come to church as you are. But it was really deeper than that. It meant more than that. Not just your exterior, but your interior. Come as you are. If you're excited and you have some emotion and you, you can come. That's okay. If you're depressed or if you're uh, fearful... Uh, or if you're anxious, that's okay, too. You can come the way you are. You can bring your brokenness, bring your insecurity, bring your zeal, bring whatever you have going on in your life. Come as you are, and it's okay. We also place a really high value on experiencing God in our church. We don't just talk about God. Uh, we don't, we, we, we don't just, just study the Bible. We don't sing songs about God. Our heart's desire is really to walk our lives out with God we want to live the Bible. We want to hear His voice and walk with Him day to day. We sing songs to God. They're songs of love and adoration. It's, it's uh, really our, our worship time for us is a precious opportunity that we look forward to. I mean, look, I say it sometimes and I, I mean it with all my heart. These guys get up practically in the middle of the night to get here and set this stuff up and rehearse and practice because they want to give God their best. It's it's. it's Our heart's desire to draw near to God, to not just sing songs, but to come into his presence, to actually be in God's presence during worship. We are expressing our love and our adoration to him with the desire of of really experiencing and knowing God on a very intimate and deep level. It's really, it's it's the primary way. Now, there's a number of ways in life, but worship is the primary way that we really say to God, I love you. And some of you, most of you probably are aware, in human relationships, the response, when you say to someone, I love you, the the expectation is that they'll say, I love you too. There's a reciprocity to that. And that's our expectation in worship, that when we say to God, we love you, he says to his people, I love you too. We really believe that what it says in Psalm 22, I, I don't usually use the New American Standard. I quoted it today because I like what it says better. Uh, that God really is enthroned or inhabits the praise of his people, that God is really with us. Now, God is omnipresent. He's, all, he's everywhere all the time. But we really believe that when we come together and worship, that there's a unique manifestation of God's presence on a deeper, more intimate level than we experience moment by moment throughout life. So here, here's the thing. God is our... Father, He's our Creator. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's the Forgiver of our sins. He's the Restorer of our souls, and so sometimes when we come in contact with that, there's a there's a level of emotion, a level of intimacy, uh, a level of of depth of relationship and healing that sometimes causes people to do weird things. Um, I think this I, I, when God's presence comes. Sometimes you, you cry. Sometimes I, I just want to laugh. Some, you know, Sarah prayed or maybe said something about joy this morning. Sometimes there's joy, and I see people jumping up and down. Can I just say, I think if you don't do that, you're weird. All right? How can you come into the presence of God and go, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I don't, I, I don't buy it. If you're really in the presence of God, there's going to be some level of excitement. So I, I really believe this is a good question. It's a good question, and it's an interesting question. It's a good question because it gets asked a lot. I hear this a lot. It's, it's, I have had, I don't know how many conversations in my life, a lot, about this, about stuff that happened during worship or during a ministry time or during a prayer time. Um, so that's a good question. It's an interesting question in, in this regard. I, I find it to be weird in the sense that it seems to me that church really is the only place left in society where it's not okay to be weird okay, that weird behavior is pretty much socially acceptable anywhere else you go except on Sunday morning. Sports has become an entire subculture for weirdness. It really has. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Uh, In the Midwest, there is a whole socioeconomic group called Cheeseheads that wears blocks of cheese around town on their heads, and it's a perfectly acceptable thing. Everyone knows who they are. Music, you know, if you, I don't know how many of you guys, some of you, <clears throat> a couple of us older folks, have been to some rock concerts in our lives. I've seen some weird behavior at rock concerts. I don't know about you, but, you know, stage diving. I always, I would never do that because no one would catch me. Uh, but weird stuff happens. You know where the weirdest, the weirdest, the peak, the pinnacle of weirdness in our society is when music and sports come together. I really think that's where it gets weird. Anybody watch the Super Bowl this year? I know you watch the Super Bowl this year. You know, if you watch the Super Bowl this year, you saw that at halftime. <laughs> so, look, I'm just saying that the Super Bowl was in Arizona, and, and I, I double-checked there are no sharks in Arizona. Um, the teams were the Seahawks and the Patriots, no sharks. And yet at halftime, we saw a girl in a lemonade suit dancing with sharks. I, I just... I don't know. I think that's weird. I, I, am I wrong? I'm going to add here, I just, I, I think it's, I have to mention, I have to, let's put all the cards on the table. We live in a city that prides itself on its weirdness. Okay? I, I mean, I, you know, come on. We have, an, a, we have an entire television series dedicated to being weird. Okay? In Portland. That's a, that's a large man riding a bicycle, downtown Portland, naked. That's weird to me. I think that's weird. Keep your children off the streets. You know, I, it's just—it's not right. I don't know what's going on over there. That might be Bubba on his day off. I'm not sure if, <laughs> who that is. But um, so my my point is that it's pretty much socially acceptable to be weird anywhere but at church. If you if you exhibit any emotion, if you do anything a little bit out of the ordinary. Uh, th- that's questionable. Now, I-, I understand where that comes from. I grew up, like some of you may have, in a very traditional denominational church where everything was very structured. If someone said, Let's all stand, that meant, Let's all stand. And everyone stood up. You sang one song. At the end of the song, someone then said, Be seated. You couldn't sit. Don't sit down until they say, be seated, and then everyone sat. Our service lasted exactly 60 minutes. Not 61, not 62, exactly 60 minutes. Very structured. No one raised their hands. No one ever knelt down. No, certainly no one shouted out or laid on the floor. The only time people clapped is if there was a guest speaker and the guest speaker was introduced, and everyone would clap together and stop together. And I don't know how they did that, but they would always stop clapping on exactly the same... No. So, here at the Vineyard, we have a, a, a little bit different approach to wor- worship. Part of our question this morning asks, is that biblical? And I just thought I'm going to try to go really quick and take a few minutes and, and look at what does a biblical expression of worship look like? What does the Bible have to say about how we worship God? And I'm look, we're, we will look primarily at uh, the Psalms today. A few other passages thrown in there for good measure, but the Psalms were really both the prayer book and the hymnal, the worship book of Israel, and they have a lot to say about worship. So, uh, you know, a a couple uh, of different expressions uh, in Psalms. Something we do often here is very, very common. We'll see people raising their hands. I like that because what does it mean when you raise your hands, when you put your hands up? Surrender. I, put your hands up. Okay, I surrender. I give up. Uh, it's a universal sign of surrender in almost any language anywhere in the world. You, and so what, we, what are, we're saying when we raise our hands before the Lord is, hey, I surrender. I give my life over to you. The Psalms talk a lot about raising your hands. I have seen you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May my prayer be set before you like incense and may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to God just to say, I surrender and I give my life to you. Sometimes people actually tremble or shake in the midst of worship. And I know that can be disarming just to people. You go, wow, what's going on there? Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. I love this. Proverb says, blessed is the one who trembles before God. Well, I, I mean, to me, just the presence of God, to tremble before the Lord, it's a, there's a blessing in that. That person's connecting with God on a deeper level. If anything, I just say, God, give me that. I want that. Sometimes we bow down or kneel. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. For he is our God. Can I just, Scripture, particularly Proverbs and Psalms, it comes in sort of two ways. It's directive or prescriptive. Sometimes it's prescriptive means this is a response to or an answer to a problem in life. When it's directive, that kind of means this is a direction. This is something you should be doing. And these are directive scriptures. They're giving us an indication of what biblical worship really should look like. We really should be kneeling and bowing down before the Lord. All the earth bows down to you. They sing to you. They sing praises to your name. Uh, What about dancing? That gets a little bizarre sometimes. Um, Let them praise his name with dancing. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. And then, of course, in Samuel, the story that uh, I love so much and some of us are familiar with, where David was rejoicing at the victory of the Israelites and the return of the ark, and he was wearing a linen ephod, which, yes, is sort of underwear of sorts. And we're not recommending that. I'm just uh, saying that. I prefer you keep your clothes on. Um, But David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. I I would just simply say this. We want to have freedom in worship. But we also want to understand that we are in in a community, and so we don't want to distract other people from their worship or do anything to interfere with their worship or in any way draw attention to ourselves. It's not about us. It's about God. So there have been times when I've seen people who dance in such a manner that it really does distract the people around them, I would encourage you to be mo- conscious and mindful of that and, and not cause a distraction. But that said, dance if you want to, okay? It's, it's, there's a flexibility and a freedom of worship. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. So clapping is okay. Sometimes we'll just clap. Sometimes people clap on rhythm. Sometimes we just clap and applaud. It just sometimes I clap. Are you saying I clap off beat? I get. That leads me to my next point, which uh, clap and shout. Uh, There's a number of verses that indicate that we should just shout for joy. Anybody ever shout for joy just out in society? Why would you not do it in church? We had a pastor in a church we grew up in. Uh, and he was, he was not musical, and he was not part of the worship team, and yet uh, he was a very subdued, sort of laid-back guy, kind of quiet, very pastoral, uh, and, uh, but he liked to be involved, and so he, he did a little research on this thing in, in Scripture in Old Testament called the festal shout, and every now and then during worship, he would get up with his Bible, and he would talk about the festal shout and how this thing happened in Israel, and they go, okay, now we're all going to do this together, and he would have everybody shout for joy together. He <laughs> made him feel really good about being <coughs> part of the worship service and leading worship. So you can shout if you want to shout during worship. It's okay. I don't care. You can fall down and, and lay prostrate on the floor uh, <clears throat> before God. I think it's a sign of reverence. <clears throat> I would be off to the side so no one steps on you. That would be my, my recommendation. But uh, in Kings, there's an indication that When people were in the presence of God, they fell, and then, of course, uh, John, Apostle John on the island of Patmos comes into the presence of God, and he has no other response than to fall before him on the floor. Um, One of the things that that happens from time to time uh, in worship or in the presence of God is is laughing. People will just spontaneously uh, be filled with joy to such a degree that they just burst out in laughter, and again... I think it's a, it's a biblical mindset. It's a biblical idea that uh, if we have joy in our hearts, it's okay to express that joy. When we have joy, when we're happy, sometimes we laugh. Uh, Psalm 126, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. They go together. It's part of the package. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with the gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So all of these things are okay. All of these things are okay to do. Um, I would, I would just kind of conclude by saying, uh, trembling, bowing, clapping, dancing, kneeling, singing, shouting, uh, laying down, laughing—those are all biblical expressions of worship. I got. Uh, sometimes I get these things, thoughts in my head, and I was wondering this week. This is bad. I shouldn't even say it, but I already got. I'm in. I was wondering about those people that say they want everything to be biblical. You know, know, that's not in the Bible, that's not in the Bible. I'm curious what their worship services look like. My guess is they might not be very biblical according to what we've looked at today. I'm just saying. I don't know. While we're on the topic, though, oh, good. I have two other points I want to bring up regarding worship. One is this, a couple of other issues. church I grew up in, again, uh, we had a choir, and so... People sometimes said, "You know, why don't we have a choir?" Um, my response is, "We do. Uh, you're the choir. Uh, you're the choir. Uh, worship is a participation sport, not a spectator sport. Everybody's in. Everybody gets to play. We should all be singing in worship. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, the other thing about that church is there was only one instrument. Anybody want to guess? It Was an organ. Uh, yeah, we had an organ. And it wasn't even in the room. I don't know where the organ was. It existed in a... It was in Area 51. It was somewhere else. You couldn't see it. You never saw the organ. You only heard it. It was omnipresent. The organ came on. Um, I would just say, uh, not very biblical. Uh, Psalm 149, let them praise His name with dancing, make music with timbrel and harp. Uh, Psalm 150, 149 and 150 are kind of the, the... the crescendo, the capstone of the Psalms, the hymnal of God. And Psalm 150 says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I would just say, if you're going to be biblical in your worship, you've got to have drums. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, no, it's just that's, that's the way it is. I love it. It's exciting. It's powerful. It's real. It's alive. That's what worship is supposed to be. It's supposed to be alive and real, not stagnant and dead. And that's my last point is this. Every now and then I hear, you know, I like the old hymns. Those were the real worship songs. And, I, and I, I, I'm in agreement. Those were the real worship songs 500 years ago. Um, and, and look, I love a good hymn now and then. Um, but I have to say this. We sing hymns every week. Some people ask me, why don't you sing hymns? We sing hymns every single week. According to Webster's Dictionary, so this is not a biblical definition. This is just a societal definition. A hymn is a religious song or poem typically sung in praise to God. We sing hymns every single week. All of our songs are hymns. And, and I would add this. Um, I I really think a biblical expression of worship, you don't sing old songs, you sing new songs, because we're exhorted all throughout Scripture to sing a new song to the Lord. All those top verses, I didn't put the uh, references there, those are all from the Psalms. Isaiah says, sing a new song to the Lord. Twice in Revelation, at the return of Christ, when all of his people are gathered together, it says what? They sang a new song. And let me say this. I am so blessed and proud to be a part of a movement that has an evolving liturgy, that we're not stuck singing the same songs that people have been singing for hundreds of years, that God is doing new things, real things, fresh things all the time. And what the hymns are, when you read Amazing Grace, it's John Newton's life. When you read Blessed Assurance, it's... Um, what's her name? Fanny Crosby's life. That's what happened in their life. Thank you. I knew you would know. Uh, so what's happening in our worship songs, it's a reflection of what God's doing in our midst and what God's doing in those people's lives. God didn't stop doing things 500 years ago. He's still doing stuff today, and we're still running songs, and we should be singing new songs all the time. I love it. We did an old song today. It was 2005, I noticed. That's kind of getting back there a ways. Um, God's doing new things. God's doing new things. He's still alive. He's still speaking, and people are still recording what God is doing and documenting what God's doing in music. Part of the Vineyard movement really is, uh, our, our doxology is theology. What people say, what does the vineyard believe? I go, well, we got a thousand worship songs. Just read the lyrics of those songs and you'll know what we believe. That's what we're about. That's who we are as a people. And we sing a new song to Him. So look, we're, we're emotional beings. God has created us as emotional people. And when we come into the presence of God, when our spirit connects with the Holy Spirit of God, sometimes... Uh, Things happen. Sometimes God begins to move in our hearts. It might cause us to cry. It might cause us to smile or laugh. It might cause us to tremble. It might it might press you to, to kneel down before God. There have been times in worship when I couldn't not kneel down before God because I was so in awe of who He was and what He meant to me. There, there have been times in worship when I raised my hands and stood on the floor and closed my eyes, and after a while, I couldn't, Tell if I was still touching the floor anymore or not, because the presence of God was so real and so powerful. And that's what it should be like. We're spiritual beings, and when our spirit intersects with the spirit of God, it it might just overwhelm you. And I just want to say this today: that's okay. That's okay. In fact, it's not just okay; it's awesome. It's the way it should be. I understand the question. I understand if you come from a perspective that maybe you were raised in a church that that wasn't the case; that it might make you uncomfortable. I'm just going to say, it's okay to be uncomfortable in the presence of God. God makes me uncomfortable every day of my life. Okay? I, I pray to God I never come to a place where I'm comfortable in the presence of God. Okay? So it's okay. It's okay. If people do strange things during worship, just understand they're in a place where the Spirit of God is moving on their lives. My encouragement to you is this. When, if something makes you uncomfortable, close your eyes. Open your heart. And allow the Spirit of God, pray, ask God to come. God, touch me the way you're touching them. Whatever that is, I want that. I want that. Come and do that in my life. That's what worship is about. So thank you for this question. Can you guys do something now? Drums? Do we have drums? No no drums today? I love the drums. No, not (laughs) drums. I told you I was going to throw you guys a bone. Cindy, I have your stand. You guys can stand if you want. But you don't have to. No, you don't have to. Yeah, sure.